Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Gentlemen, it's Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV, of course, on your Supertalk radio stations, wherever you are, whatever you're up to, however you're listening. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at Time Out Lounge. You can visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. As always, with you, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, thanks for joining us. You want to be a part of the conversation. This is a day that would be great for you to check in with us. I want to interact with you a bunch on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Let Ceasefire handle the managed IT services so you can focus on your business. Learn more at ceasefirebusiness.com. Borky, we have a question for you right out of the gate. Is that styrofoam from which you were drinking? Yeah, yeah. I, um, did you forget the Pelican's Cup? I, I did today. I wasn't planning on drinking coffee, but I hit a wall about 10 mm. minutes ago. And so I just I needed a little little juice. So I, I've got it here. <laughs> and, uh, hey, Dad goes to the Super Talk Tumblr. Yeah. Yeah, basketball season starting real soon. Real soon, and nobody cares, and that's okay. Um, it, I was thinking about this all day today. We spent By the way, voice slightly better today. Getting a little better, but I like I, I damaged I damaged my voice box in that game. I mean, the fact that I am on day two. I mean, this is two days removed, and I still <laughs> I'm not fully back. Uh, it tells you the, the Saints don't have to worry about my fan participation. I'll tell you that. But um, we spent eight months waiting for college football season to begin, and every weekend is special, and it, like we love it all. Every weekend we watch it, a lot of you go to games, all that. This weekend, though, that we've got coming is what we've been waiting for. This is this kind of weekend is why we love college football so much. What a slate of games that we have coming our way this weekend. Not just with State going to Kentucky, should be a great environment. Apparently Will Levis is going to play. So that's a big deal. 
Auburn owns Ole Miss in recent history. Wait, I've heard conflicting reports about Will Levis, that he's dealing with a turf toe injury and is going to be out for a couple of weeks. Stoop said he practiced yesterday. Right, isn't that what you said? Six hey, of one, half dozen of the other. He did say that. He did say practice. So, so if he practiced, we'll see. Either way, that that's a big deal. And Auburn has owned Ole Miss in recent history. Lane Kiffin's 0-2 also against Auburn. Like Even when it's good, somehow Auburn still beats Ole Miss. So with the Harson drama and all that, maybe it's a little less sexy, but still, SEC West opponent in your sold-out place. Big deal. But outside of that, too... Everywhere you look, massive game, massive game, massive game. Undefeated teams, ranked teams. What a this is what we've been. This is what we romanticize about the sport so much. Are weekends like this one? Huge environments, big brands and up and coming brands, and Kansas and TCU all playing meaningful football games this weekend. This is what we've been waiting for, man. So, so think about. The game, the, the stadiums where games are going to be played this weekend. Auburn at Ole Miss. If not completely sold out, it's really, really, really close. I don't know if they put the graphic up yet that says sold out, but it will. Okay, all right, so completely sold out. Vandy at Georgia. There will be some scattered empties, but Georgia on paper sells out every single game. It will be listed as a sellout. They sell every ticket for every single game. They'll be what? 90% full, 95% full, something like that for Vandy and Georgia. Yeah. yeah. Alabama at Tennessee. Maybe the most difficult ticket of the season so far, despite the fact that it's being played in a stadium where they can put over 100,000 people. It's going the, to be insane. Like, I don't like giving Tennessee fans credit, but that environment is going to be complimentary, violent. That is going to be a violent atmosphere on Saturday. So so if you go to the college football scores page in advance of the weekend that is upcoming, it will give you kickoff time, TV network, team records, stadium location, the line, the total, players to watch. And then there's a, I'm sure it's a sponsorship thing, but a, a little tab for tickets as low as. So for... Auburn at Ole Miss, tickets as low as $63. They see 115000 in Ann Arbor. Tickets as low as $143 for Penn State, Michigan. Uh, Kansas at Oklahoma. Oklahoma, not very good. That's normally a tough ticket. You can get in the door for $26. Iowa State at Texas. Mm, another 11 a.m. kick in Austin. You can get in the door for $2. $2. I don't know if that's before or after fees. Uh, Athens, Georgia. Vandy at Georgia. Tickets as low as $68. I give you this to see what it's kind of like. Uh, NC State, Syracuse. They've sold over 40,000 tickets. It's going to be the biggest crowd Syracuse has had for a long time. You can get into that game for $33. For number three, Alabama. At number six, Tennessee, where Alabama is a seven-and-a-half point favorite. Third Saturday in October, cigar game, and all of that jazz. The get-in-the-door ticket price is $337. And, friends, that is not sitting on the 30-yard line in the lower deck. You might be on the 30-yard line. You might be. 
I doubt it. But you're on the last row of the upper deck. I doubt that's on the 30. So the uh, here wait here's one $332 upper deck section KK that is if you are looking at the upper deck roughly even with the left goalpost like the the left upright of the goalpost row 27 $332 You want you want to sit on the 50 yard line section on the visitor side 56 rows up you can buy a pair of tickets for $732 a piece. Ooh. Home sideline, $769. That's 43 rows up. And that's a single. You can't get a pair there. That's only for one. You want two together on the 50 yard line on the Tennessee home side, 53 rows up, $1,043 each. Each. We've play, we played this, yeah, each. That's not for a pair. We've played this game before, right? The, the what would you pay for? Yeah. This is a game where none of the three of us have a rooting interest. But all oh, three I, of I, us. I do kind of have a rooting interest. Uh, yeah, okay. But in terms <laughs> of, it's not a school that you attended. It's not a school that you cover. It's not a school that you love. Your, yours is more like hate-driven. <laughs> Oh, I just I want somebody else, even if it's Tennessee. Just I want somebody else. I mean, the third Saturday in October has been a joke since two thousand and six. It's been a joke. This is supposed to be a great rivalry, and Alabama has owned it, flat out owned it. I'd like to see. I'd like to see a little something else. Uh, so, so, so again, you'd like to see it, right? Yeah. It's going to be an incredible atmosphere. Weather's going to be perfect. Middle of the afternoon kickoff. So the question is, you know what it is. If you had to dig into your wallet, and let's just let's assume, Borky, before you tell me I can't afford to do it, let's just assume that you've got a savings account on the side with a little play money sitting in it. You probably don't want to completely extinguish that, but you have some discretionary income. What is the amount of money that you would pay for a ticket to sit lower level Tennessee Alabama this weekend? Four four to five hundred dollars. Okay, yeah, that's where I am. Because there, there's so like you you mentioned. I mean, I don't feel it obviously. the 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 emotions that Tennessee fans have gone through, and, and I, I like to joke at their expense. For fun, I know some friends that went to Tennessee, and and I like to pick at them too. But their biggest rival, it, would you say it's Alabama? Probably Vanderbilt doesn't count for them. Their rival has completely and utterly owned them. They keep recycling coaches after coaches, and none of them work. And they have been a mockery. After since they've won a national championship, they have fallen off the face of the relevancy earth. The the emotion that winning that game would create or will create for Tennessee fans makes that ticket so worth it to watch the, in person. The the long term answer for Tennessee's rival is Alabama. The last. 25 years answer is Florida. What would Tennessee fans say? My guess would be Alabama today. 
I mean, is that recency bias, though? Because yes. they haven't beaten Alabama since, what, 2008? I think that's right. Not much of a rivalry as of late. Yeah, Tennessee fans don't want to hear that this week. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be back. From the flatlands of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Every minute worth waiting for. Super Talk Mississippi. Square text line. Thousand bucks to watch them lose by 17. My guess is he's talking about Tennessee. I don't know. I don't know. Hayden, does this feel like. hmm. Does this feel like hashtag we believe for Tennessee? No, no, this is a good Tennessee football team. It is. But that state team was a good team. Were they? I mean, every team they played with a pulse, they lost to that year. Well, I guess, I guess, in terms of saying, is it we believe? I mean, is this one of those deals where the buildup is so big, it's so massive, people are so excited? Alabama almost lost. There's some cracks in the foundation, and then we look up and we're like, what was it? What, what was it Ben Ingram said on the Braves broadcast when they were playing the Mets? You come at the, come king, at the king, you better not, not miss. No, I don't, I don't think it's like that at all. I don't think there's any we believe to this. In fact, the people who listened to yesterday's Thunder and Lightning podcast, or today's Thunder and Lightning podcast, already know my feelings on this game. It, none of these three teams are Alabama, but Tennessee's been tested three times. Pittsburgh's kind of fallen off, but they went to Pittsburgh, had to fight in overtime to win that game. Then they beat mm-hmm. Florida, and and they were in control. That game got weird late. But they, yeah, but Florida did have 470 passing yards from a quarterback that really can't throw. They they did, and that's Tennessee's Achilles heel, right? But then they went to Baton Rouge and, and won that game impressively. It's not like this is Tennessee's first test where they're going to be all super hyped. and, and they had, I mean, they've already had college game day there this year even. Like, yeah. they've played in a game where everybody on campus was like, oh, we got to win this one. This is a huge game. Like, when Hinden Hooker goes to class, hey, man, we believe in you. He's already been through that. Uh, I, it was college game day by default, though, right? It was. They, they shouldn't have gone there that week. But either way, th- this isn't a Tennessee team that has lived off of beating Ball State and Missouri and a down South Carolina and Western Michigan. And then here comes Alabama. They've been to Baton Rouge. They've played Florida. They went, at the time, to a ranked Pittsburgh. They, they have been tested, but you're right. I mean, if Bryce Young can play and is healthy, that worries me. But remember what we talked about last week? Quarterbacks throwing shoulder. Oh, he's fine, the way people dismissed it. Mm-hmm. Does it ever go like that? Rarely. So even if he does play, you, you sure that he's just going to be able to sling it around the yard without discomfort? Maybe he can, but... He was dressed and didn't even warm up for, yes, didn't throw a ball in uniform 
Yeah, I think Saturday. Alabama made that decision because you heard Nick Saban say after the game that Bryce said he wanted to play at the end. And they're like, no, you're not playing at the yeah, end. No. Now, maybe there was some false bravado there. I don't know. Was there a scenario where Alabama thought they could win last week regardless of who played quarterback, which ultimately happened? Yeah. And they knew yes. they had to have Very Bryce Young and knew that another week for Bryce Young would behoove him? Yes. Okay. Yes, I believe everything you're saying is true, yes. All right. Uh, let's see here. A few other messages on the ceasefire text line. Jeff says, that's about what I paid to go to the Sugar Bowl when Ole Miss played Oklahoma State. He says the most I would pay is about $800 for a pair of tickets after service fees. Yeah, uh, the, the the ticket companies, by the way, on that, that, that is a joke. It's, I mean, just... It is a machine is what it is. Fees on top of fees on top of fees. You're, you pay like 40% in fees of the ticket price. It's insane. I, I'm curious what game this person watched. Help me out here, guys. Tennessee going to kick Alabama's rear. Bama should have lost to A&M, but Saban's refs secured the victory. I thought it was kind of odd to see multiple penalties go against Alabama on the final potential game-winning drive. P.I. was the right call there, though, in the end zone. So you're saying it should have been called? The before the final play, so the yeah, one yeah. that got them down there, right call. No, I, I've seen people argue that that a flag should have been thrown on the final play. Mm-mm. Nope, no, no chance. Nope. You want me to throw a flag on that? You better run a better route. Yeah, <laughs> no shot. <laughs> you better do more than just have one on one. Did you guys talk about that play after I left yesterday? Yeah, we went into more detail about the game, and not not so much that play, but. Just A and M and and how they played in that game and what it's going to mean going forward. By the way, I did not leave in vain yesterday. That's what I heard. Yeah, fly the W. I mean, I thought about tweeting that graphic, like the Chicago Cubs W flag, just like put the little gif of that up there. I didn't figure anybody would know what I was talking about. That was fun, though. I mean, as much fun as I've had on a football field in a long time. That's awesome. Like. Watching nine-year-olds run around and do their best. Both teams, it was so cool, so cool. Um, but the specific play call, what was Jimbo doing? What was he doing? You have, I mean, go ahead. I mean, he. You have a dynamic playmaker in A. Shane. That's fine. You don't want to. You don't want to go to him. You want to use him as a decoy. You feel like you need to protect. I get all those things. You ran a route short of the goal line. Like I don't know that he catches it if he's in. And it was a they might have knocked him out of the one. It was the entire time yeah. he was looking at Evan Stewart. Yeah, which one of the Alabama DBs said after the uh, the game. He said he he was looking at Fisher and Fisher's over there going Evan 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 and he's just like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna go over here and by the way if you look on Twitter I forget who tweeted it out but there's actually a breakdown of Saban does a a, a breakdown of the play of the game on his coach's show mm-hmm. after every game. And so he does the video of this, and he shows you how they covered it. And, I mean, it's just, if you're a football nerd, it is just nirvana. But they had it covered up, and they knew where he was going with the ball. So, yeah, just poor. 
Yeah. From offensive mastermind Jimbo Fisher. Right. Like what you started with. You've, Texas A&M has one truly elite dynamic athlete that can win a game if you get him the ball. And it's A.J. You, that's not... Evan Stewart had a monster game. He I, did. Like, I don't have an issue with going to Evan Stewart, but I feel like you've got to go to Evan Stewart in a place where you give him a chance to make a play. Yeah. You got to throw and, the and ball up middle middle of the end zone. I, I, I heard, oh, it might have been Tom Luganville kind of talking about the play, and he, like everybody else, was disagreeing with it and said, the only thing that I can think is they were trying to draw a flag on that play to give themselves two chances at it, where maybe you catch it, maybe you don't, but if you don't, you get another shot at it. He said, here's the problem. If you're trying to draw a flag on that throw, it's got to be a back shoulder play. It's a you run a stop into the end zone, and it's back shoulder where you've got the DB trying to come across and through. He said you can't run a comeback because by nature of the route that you're talking about, that you're trying to run there, you're trying to get separation and move away from the defender after you plant and you know kind of work to the outside. And there's less likely to be a penalty because you've created separation. My only, it's not a defense, right? My, my only, like, help me understand is they knew they couldn't give Haynes King time to sit in the pocket and survey the field to allow something to develop across the middle, maybe across the back line of the end zone, I guess. But, I mean, it's a short route. I feel You're like with A-Shane... You know, they they pulled a, a Hoosiers. You know, there was like we're going to use Jimmy Chitwood as the distraction. No, you got to give Jimmy Chitwood the ball. Don't you ultimately, in that situation, trying to win a game, have to run the play that has been most successful in that situation? Like it's won a Super Bowl. Run run a run a rub well, route pick play. Yeah, dare the official like and, and make the official throw the flag. Make the official call it. Or, you know, I don't have a problem, like I said, putting the ball into the hands of the best player on the field and living and dying with him. Yeah, you can go to the locker room after the game and the press conference and all that. If you gave the ball to A-Chain and it didn't work, hey, man, he's our guy. He's our You're best okay player. with the idea don't of running think... the ball there? And if you don't get it, you don't I, get I, it. I think Alabama would have been caught off guard by it. You get the blocks, you have a chance. Yeah, but, I mean, with the way that Will Anderson and those guys were playing... It is hard to say. I'm going to run right at because it's not that, like the A and M run right at no. But I mean, you've got a running quarterback. To, you've got a running quarterback too. F- figure it out. There's got to be an option play you could have run. Something. He's got 15 play sheets. There's got to be something on there to, you know. Yeah. He's got a novel. He's got a Harry Potter book. It's like in the his Cheesecake hands. Factory menu, <laughs> except not laminated and like typed out. I mean, it looked like handwritten notes on a legal pad. It's like, what are, what, are, what are we doing here? Luke Johnson, who is co-host of the Eagle Hour, will join us next. We will look back to the trip to Troy for Southern Miss and look ahead as well. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you Sports Talk Mississippi.
Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Luke Johnson joins us right now, co-host of the Eagle Hour on Supertalk Hattiesburg, Supertalk Laurel. You can get that on demand as well. Looking back to uh, the weekend that was Sunbelt Conference game for Southern Miss on the road to face the Troy Trojans. It's a Troy team that um, has been pretty good, right? They were the Hail Mary away from uh, from winning against Appalachian State. Uh, they played tough in the season opener uh, against Ole Miss in Oxford. 27-10, to the final. Troy moves to 4-2 and on the year. Two and one in Sunbelt Conference play. That was the Sunbelt opener for Southern Miss, so they're 0 and one in the league. Luke, it was it was close, right? It was seven to three. Southern Miss with the lead early in the second quarter, but then it was pretty much all Troy the rest of the way. What did, what did you take away Saturday night? Well, good afternoon, Richard. Yeah, I mean, a, a few things. Um, first and foremost. Uh, the defense for Southern, apart from really one drive to start the second half, they they were elite. Um, you actually look at the, the way the stats break down. Southern Miss had more plays on offense um, than, than Troy did. Defense coming out in the third quarter, uh, Troy got it starting at their 17, went 83 yards in six plays. And that was really the only time the defense uh, really was on their heels for the whole game. So it was a, it was a good defensive performance. The rest of the time, the Troy offense was was set up um, by turnovers, three interceptions, uh, a, a fumble, um, and that really was the story of the game. And so the reason for me that, that that first possession of the second half was so crucial is because it made it a two-score game when it was only a one-score game, and so it totally changed um, you know, their, their approach on offense. They weren't getting much done. Uh, Troy was – was basically forcing Southern Miss into like hitches and uh, they couldn't run the ball. And so they were, you know, dropping some safeties and coverage. And so you couldn't get Brownlee in one-on-one. Wilkie missed some throws across the middle. And so Troy basically forced them to abandon any attempt at the running game and keep everything in the passing game in front of them. And they just were uh, unable to do anything offensively. There are lots and lots of ways to win, right? You can win with defense. You can win with high-scoring offense. You can win with balance. You can win weird games. It's hard to draw up a scenario, though, where you run 61 plays with 205 yards of total offense and you find a way to win. And that's where Southern Miss was on on Saturday night, right, with, uh, what, a net of 48 yards rushing. That obviously factors in sack yardage and 157 through the air. And it's not like Troy like completely lit the score share the the stat sheet up either. I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at what they did last year. We talked about that last week, and I think Wilkie was sacked four times, um, and but but they did get pushed around. Uh, but some of the interceptions, uh, it just he threw an, he underthrew one. Will Hall thought maybe one was a pi, but it seemed as if uh, Zach, you know, it was really the first game that he's he's turned the ball over like that, and it was. Uh, a game where he really possibly couldn't put behind him what he had just done on the field. Will Hall talked about that post game, just the ability to to flush what you've done. Uh, but but yeah, I mean they just couldn't get anything you know done offensively. Hall said today he's got to be a better play caller, and I think the frustration was for for you know the average football um, viewer and the football fan they wanted him to go vertical, and it was just really what John Sumrall 
dialed up on defense that really prevented them. And so basically you had to run, you know, five to six yard routes uh, to, to at least try to move the football because you couldn't do anything on the ground. In a lot of ways, it was Zach Wilkie looked like a true freshman playing quarterback in a conference game, right? Yeah, I mean, first conference game they played, uh, Troy's going to compete for South Alabama for uh, tops in, in the West, which is wide open now. And uh, Troy's front seven is probably some of the best in the conference, maybe you know the possibly the, the best front seven they face the entire year going forward. Where do you go from here? Uh, if you're Southern Miss, I mean, this is obviously a disappointing loss, but you got to turn around and, and get back to it. it. It doesn't get any easier. I mean, we know the schedule. It's Arkansas State. That's a winnable game this week. Then Texas State, Louisiana is way off from where they've been in recent years under Billy Napier. That's a winnable game. So kind of looking ahead to the next two, three weeks. Well, you you got to look back two weeks because it goes back to what you said just a second ago. I, I think the recipe to win was found in the two-lane game, and it is force a couple turnovers, uh, make a couple big throws, and play solid in the other two aspects of the game. But this is not going to be a, a team that if they turn the ball over probably more than twice, you you just you're, you're going to get behind. And, and we should say, I mean – because it, as, as tough as it was offensively, uh, you mentioned it. I mean, defensively, this is an elite defense in the Sun Belt. I mean, this is, this is uh, something that, that, of course, Austin Armstrong and Will Hall are proud of. But when you look at, you know, going forward, the Eagles are favored on Saturday. The only thing that, you know, might scare you, a lot of people, you know, forget about these kids when they play early on. But the starting quarterback for Arkansas State is a guy named James Blackman. Started his career at, at Florida State, threw for over 4,500 yards down there. Uh, he's thrown for 200 yards and over 200 yards in every game this year for Arkansas State except Ohio State, where he threw for 188. So uh, he's a mobile quarterback, um, you know, and, and could cause some problems. He's a veteran arm. But, yeah, and, and you think Texas State's going to be winnable, and then they beat Appalachian, you know, pretty good. Um, I think probably you're looking at Arkansas State, and you may be saying that the Louisiana game, which has now been bumped to ESPN2 on a Thursday night, may be more winnable than the Texas State game on the road. So, uh, the, the good news still is that the West is is still wide open. There's, there's a little difference between Troy and South Alabama. But, at, at, again, the Eagles can get right back in this. You could look up, you know, a couple weeks. You could be 2-1, and one, even 3-1 and one in the conference. When you look at the, the Sun Belt overall, over on the, the opposite side, on the East, Coastal Carolina, James Madison, both 3-0. and oh. So James Madison is not eligible for – a bowl game. Are they eligible to play for the conference title? For our understanding, they're not. They could only win the East. So, what's really interesting about this, Richard, is that James Madison and Coastal play the last week of the season. So, if they if they go, you know, all the way out, that would be James Madison's, in a sense, title game. James Madison could beat Coastal, and then Coastal would represent the East because uh, they're they they're not allowed to win a conference championship, which kind of stinks for them because they got kicked out of the Colonial last year, too, couldn't compete for one. Yeah, that's a screwy deal. I know our buddy Kelso down on the coast is uh, is bummed about that. Um, but but the rest of the East, I guess, kind of manageable with Old Dominion, Georgia State, Appalachian State, who everybody thought coming in was kind of the, the cream of the crop after they, they go to Lubbock or to uh, College Station and they win, but only one and two in league play. Marshall's got a win against Notre Dame. They're 0-1 in league play. Georgia Southern, three wins overall, 0-2 in league play. They got a coach fired this year. It, I mean, it's crazy. 
It really is. And, and, you know, I guess Southern Miss fans now are finding out what was so exciting about the Sun Belt. And it's becoming a, a, a week or a, a league, if other than James Madison or Coastal, basically anybody can win every week. Uh, an interesting game this weekend, James Madison at uh, Clay Helton, you know, in, in Statesboro against Georgia Southern. But a little fun belt action tomorrow night. Uh, uh, Lafayette's got to go to uh, to Marshall. And Marshall's been playing out with Ali, without Ali, their running back. And so, yeah. you know, I, I can say this, and I've heard other Southern Miss fans say this, it's the first time in a long time Southern Miss fans have enjoyed watching their conference mates in games that don't include the Golden Eagles. And that, that's really exciting to be a part of conference like that. What else do you see with Arkansas State? I saw them in that game against Memphis. I thought they were competitive against Memphis, and in some ways Butch Jones like coached out of a win in that game. So 400 yards a game. Uh, it's it's If there's an opponent on your schedule that you need – to make yourself feel better offensively for it. It's, it's this game. They're giving up 265 yards a game through the air. So an opportunity for, uh, for Zach Wilkie to get some more confidence. But they've got to find ways for the intermediate passing game, you know, other than just throwing it up to Wilkie or, uh, you know, these little hitch routes. It'll be interesting to see what Will Hall does. Particularly, he mentioned after the game, uh, you know, some conversations that he had had with, with Zach Wilkie during the game. And I think he realizes, too, that, you know, because he's the head coach, maybe some of those conversations are different. Uh, if, if it was another situation where Wilkie, you know, had a quarterback coach that was not the head coach. And so it'll be interesting to see how, how Will, you know, manages that situation going forward. Should mention Tykes, uh, he's going to be out several weeks. He's, uh, he's casted up on his, on his right hand. So Jake Lang will be the backup quarterback going forward. Six o'clock Saturday night at the Rock, Arkansas State and Southern Miss. Golden Eagles trying to bounce back and get that first conference win. Thanks, Luke. Homecoming Saturday. So appreciate the time today, Richard. See y'all. You, you going to wear a tuxedo for that? <clears throat> I will not be wearing this color shirt right now, just okay. to let you know that. That's fair. I think you should wear a tuxedo. That's Luke Johnson. You can catch him on the Eagle Hour. It's available on demand online wherever you get podcasts, and, of course, on Super Talk Hattiesburg and Super Talk Laurel. All guests, join us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk.tv. Thank you for being with us. 
You want to be a part of the conversation? You may join us on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Guys, the, um, the Polk's Pick 6 contest was a rousing success this week, this past week. I am hoping that we eclipse 500 entries this coming week. We were at 442 this past weekend. Of those 442 entries, 101 of you picked all six games correctly. That's really good. That's really impressive. I need to, the two of you, I, I have something I have to do to you, but I have to make one last check. I need the two of you talk substantively about something interesting for about 30 seconds. Take a topic. So the return of Bray Wyatt was really something uh, on uh, Sunday night at Extreme Rules, Borky. What were your thoughts? Come on, don't be What what is Extreme Rules? It's a pay-per-view where every match has an extreme stipulation. A ladder match, a, a false count anywhere match, an I quit match. You can't just win through pinfall or submission. You gotta, you gotta really do it. So what's the I quit? Like you, you don't get timed out. You just let the official know that you're done. You, the the match can continue until one competitor says I quit. In this uh, particular instance, uh, they drug the other, they drug Edge's wife into the ring and were going to hit her with a chair while she was unconscious, and he quit to save her. But then the bad guys hit her with the chair anyway. Why was she unconscious? Uh, she had gotten involved in the match, and uh, you know, oh, former former wrestler herself, Beth Phoenix. That that seems unnecessary. Well, you know, you got to do what you got. There was no disqualification. You and I could have gotten in there. True. Changes everything. True. It does if you and I show up. Yeah. And so, th- thankfully, <laughs> your time is up. And compare that to Very Chris good. Jones last night, who did everything right <laughs> and was still penalized. Yeah. For it. Still penalized, exactly. All right, so here's the deal. The tiebreaker this week was LSU Tennessee total points. The total number of points in that game was 53. The final was 40 to 13, 53 points. 101 of you correctly picked all six games, and so it once again is coming down to the tiebreaker. Do you know how many out of the 101 of you used 53 as your tiebreaker? The answer is zero. Zero. Oh. None of you had 53 as your tiebreaker. We had one, two, three people that had 52, one point off, and we had four people that had 54. One point off. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm wrong on that. It was it was five people that had 54 and three people that had 52. So here's what I've done. I've taken the eight of you who had either 52 or 54 in the tiebreaker. In the contest rules, you will note that in the event of a tie via the tiebreaker, which we have an eight-way tie here, we will go to a random number generator. Now, I could just plug into Google random number generator, type in one through eight, click send, but I want to be more transparent than that. Brian Haydad, do you know any of the eight people? Have I told you any of the eight names 
that are Don't in the tiebreaker. You have, have you, not. Have you seen the spreadsheet with all 442 not. entries? Okay. I have not seen none of it. In this spreadsheet, I have numbers 447 through 454. That will 447 will represent number one. 454 will represent number eight. One through eight. Brian Haydad, I want you to pick on the radio right now a number between one and eight. The number that corresponds with the number you pick will be our winner this week. The power, the power lies right here. Right there. Four. One, two, three, four. Our winner is Kelly. Kelly picked Mississippi State over Arkansas, Troy over Southern Miss, Ole Miss over Vanderbilt, Tennessee over LSU, Alabama over Texas A&M, TCU over Kansas. The tiebreaker was 54, and she was randomly... Nothing brings people together and forms a lasting bond like... Sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your favorite teams like no one else. On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday, the 11th of October, alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort studio. <clears throat> Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Not one, but two 18-hole championship golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. We are in that ideal time of year to get out on the golf course. The weather is perfect. It's dry. For, uh, fairways are firm and fast. The greens are rolling beautifully. A little bit cooler than it was if you're trying to sneak out in August. It's just pristine. The only downfall to playing golf this time of year is if you hit it in the rough and there's some leaves that are falling a little bit, sometimes it makes it hard to find your golf ball. Like you get the bright sun, the ball maybe nestles down a little bit and leaves, and Michael Borky knows all about that. He lives in the rough, so uh, no, I'm kidding. He is uh, in the water. <laughs> a, a striper, a striper of the golf ball. That Michael Borky, but it's hard sometimes to find your golf ball. That is the only drawback to playing golf this time of year. It's absolutely spectacular. You can book your tee time online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Let ceasefire help. They, how can they help? You can get gigabit fiber internet from ceasefire business backed by world class IT experts that live where you do, right here in ceasefire country. Check availability now at ceasefire.com slash business. Borky alluded to it earlier. At the beginning of the show, he said, it's weekends like this that we live for. There are seven matchups this weekend involving ranked versus ranked. 3-6, 10-5, 7-20, 
Wait, there's 720 there twice. So there are six matchups this week involving ranked six, six versus matchups. ranked. Uh, Re- did, did I do that? Yeah, it's all right. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. I'm just going by one by one. It's, it's like, there, we got another one. That's okay. It's a spectacular week of college football. So what are those ranked versus ranked matchups? Number 10, Penn State, at number 5, Michigan. You have number 3, Alabama. At number six, Tennessee. Number eight, Oklahoma State. At number 13, TCU. Didn't see this one coming. Number 15, NC State. One loss. At undefeated, number 18, Syracuse. What a year for Dino Baber's team. Yeah, and uh, Leary may or may not play for, uh, mm. for NC State. Everybody's oh, quarterback yeah. is getting hurt at this point, so... Uh, Garrett Schrader's not, though, so if you're a State fan and you want to watch him play, you can. Number 16, Mississippi State at number 22, Kentucky. You can debate as to whether or not Kentucky, after back-to-back losses, should still be in the top 25, but when you started at 7, you can have a couple of pretty precipitous falls and still be there. Get a little wiggle room. Yeah, you can. And Mississippi State can put its foot in Kentucky's rump and kick them squarely out of the top 25 on Saturday night with a win. And then the final ranked versus ranked matchup, Salt Lake City. 7 o'clock Central Time on Saturday night. Number 7, USC, at number 20, Utah. It's a great slate of games. So what about the numbers from Vegas that are corresponding? Go ahead, Hey, Dad. I had a sad thought this morning. You know, this is one of my weekends where State's on the road, right? So I get to watch college football all day, don't have anywhere to go. Yeah. I only have three of those weekends left. I have this one, I have State's bye week, and I have the Saturday after the Egg Bowl. Everything else is at home? No, I'm going to Alabama next week, so I'll be on the road for, for that one. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're, yeah. That's just, that's sad. Like how we how do we get to this point? We wait all year and now I'm halfway done. Yeah, but I mean, you, this is the, the, the it's what you've chosen. You don't have to go to Tuscaloosa. This is the, the life we've chosen. No question. No question. Are you going to go and sit in the press box? Or are you sitting in the stands in Tuscaloosa? Yeah, I'm going to cover the game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Feeling good about it? No, not particularly. I was going to say, do you, well, I was not being flippant when I asked that question. Mm-hmm. Is, the, is it a better question late Saturday night or Sunday morning? How do you mean? I, I don't. After the result of the Kentucky game. After the result, well, not just the Kentucky oh, game. After no. the result of the Kentucky game and after the result of the Tennessee game. No. No. Okay. My, my, my mind is pretty much made up on this game. <laughs> you, you you feel poorly about this one regardless of what happens between now and then. Absolutely correct. Which is fair. Don't predict wins over Alabama. Well, I mean, stated, I was talking about this, uh, I think, yesterday on the pod. But in the last two years since Leach has arrived, everybody in the conference basically has had a game against Alabama where they had – well, they were competitive, right? Ole Miss two years ago, very competitive. 
Last year, LSU, Arkansas, all lost by they lost by a touchdown. Auburn, Auburn lost Auburn. by two. Auburn lost by two. A and M has beaten them. Tennessee had a close game uh, with them. Florida had a close game with them. And then you got Mississippi State that lost by forty and forty one. So why? Yeah, I'm going to wait. I'm going to I'm going to withhold judge. Why? Yeah. The first year, the first year. I mean, that team was just so bad at every position. They just weren't prepared. They 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 they, they could have played a hundred quarters, and I don't know that they would have scored on them. Last year. They were still much, much more talented, but State didn't help us. Those Rodgers threw three picks in that game. Uh, they, they they couldn't block Will Anderson with Scott. You know, they put give Saban credit. He watched the film. He put Will Anderson out there on Scott Lashley. And what are you going to do? I mean, hit the best player in college football against the right tackle who just wasn't up to that challenge, and they dominated it. So, so will it be different this year? I'm not going to hold my breath. It's Kentucky. Kentucky doesn't play Alabama. I, I, I just was nah. wondering if Kentucky would give away the entire first first quarter trying to figure out what Alabama would do in certain situations defensively. <laughs> I would love to know what the score is by that point in the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about the lines? Lines for games involving SEC teams. Ole Miss is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite against Auburn. Feels right. I'm curious about this game with Auburn because the the score was lopsided. (coughs) Really lopsided in Athens. Auburn played hard and well for a while. And then they tried that weird fake punt thing on their own 30, and it didn't work, and then Georgia scored, and then it kind of unraveled. But Auburn like, was focused and energized and ready to play in that game. What, what does that mean? That's what it should be every week, but we're talking about a team that knows that their coach is getting fired at some point in the very near future. They're losing games. Their quarterback room is a disaster. Can they do that again? Can they, will they, I guess is the better question, will they show up to Oxford on Saturday morning like that? Because they've got enough guys defensively to make you really have to work for it. Now, once they give up a touchdown or two and and they get a bad break and Robbie Ashford throws another ball to receiver's feet, they'll end up quitting, which is kind of what it looked like on Saturday. But they were prepared and ready to play that game. They were, and they gave Georgia a, a hard time in the first half of that game. If at 11:01 the captains walk out to midfield and Auburn calls, ta- uh, they, they call heads and it's tails, and so Ole Miss wins the toss, you taking the ball or going on defense first? Take the ball, go score. Winners want the ball. I agree. Coach Jimmy McGinty. Yeah, you, you try to demoralize Hey, it. ask me what the Packers did in 8-9 flag football last night when they won the toss. But that's they took it. the ball. We didn't defer to the second half. I want to be up 7 nothing. Yeah. You, you ask that ask me what happened. Later. Uh, all right, uh, you got to indulge me just for a second. It was not a good start. On the second offensive play, you know what happened to our team? The official put his hand... In prayer hands above his head, safety. Oh, you know what? You know what happened on the first play of the second offensive drive? 
Safety. We were down four to nothing. Coach didn't uh, properly understand the rules about rushing and what you could and could not do. <laughs> made some nice in-game adjustments. Settled in a little bit. Defense made some plays. <laughs> it got better after that. But I was, I was ready to turn in the uh, the figurative whistle after two offensive possessions and back-to-back safeties last night. <laughs> we'll be back, sports. Talk. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say it. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. that Ole Miss is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite over Auburn. Do you know how rare it is that Ole Miss wins, not just against Auburn, but against Auburn in Oxford? This is the 47th meeting all-time. Series started in 1928, so they haven't played every year. What, on average, every other year over the last 94 years? Auburn leads the all-time series 35 to 10. And there's one of these there's this asterisk that is on like every all-time series record now. Original record is 35 to 11 in favor of Auburn, but Ole Miss's win in 2012 was vacated due to an NCAA rule. Okay, whatever. So 35 to 11 in terms of on-field results. In 15 games in Oxford, Ole Miss has won twice. Oh, no. It's bizarre, too, because it's not like Auburn always has had better teams. It's just... <laughs> I just got to this line in Ole Miss's notes. Hey, Dad, you're about to laugh about this. Oh, I'm excited. This is bullet point number four. 1962, Borky, was the last time Ole Miss started 6-0 and and didn't have to vacate any of its wins. <laughs> you cheating son of a... I really, really appreciate that bullet point, that line in the Ole Miss game notes. <laughs> The only thing you probably should leave it out, but you know, I, no, I think it should be there. I think the only thing missing from that is at the end of the sentence a middle finger emoji. I think that should be at the end of that <laughs> sentence. You can't take the games away. They happen. Barry Bonds' seventy-three home runs happen, or or parenthetically, Ole Miss has started six and zero, or you know, in. Blank, 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 and blank. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. You saw the wins happen on the field. Close parentheses. <laughs> ah, what a great... Shout out to the Ole Miss Media Relations Department for finding that nugget. That made my day. <laughs> it's like somebody got tired of like putting asterisks in there <laughs> and making notes yeah. of certain wins and which years were vacated. So like, you know what? Let's just do it this way. Yeah. That's great. 
Uh, Forky, as you were saying, Auburn has owned Ole Miss in Oxford yeah. and everywhere else they played. It's it's been flat out ownership and bizarre. Bad Auburn teams have beaten good Ole Miss teams last year, for example. It doesn't make any sense, but but yet here they are. And so, I don't know if this. I wouldn't call this game important. Now, if you lose it, obviously it's a big deal. But beating this Auburn team is not like of utmost importance. It won't move your status up as a program oh. or anything. You're supposed to win this game. You're a two-touchdown favorite. But from the inside perspective, I think this game's a big deal. Winning this game is a big deal for Ole Miss. Nationally, people aren't going to bat an eye. But it, 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 internally, you need to go win this game. You need to get that monkey off your back. Absolutely. So, Ole so Miss two, has won two things. Could, Go ahead. First off, like you talking about Auburn, Auburn is is Ole Miss's LSU to state. Everybody has a team you can't beat. Auburn is Ole Miss's for whatever reason. State's been pretty successful against Auburn, but Ole Miss is not. State can't beat LSU, and obviously Ole Miss has had success against LSU. But secondly, I disagree with you, Borky. Because this Auburn team is so bad, this is an important game. You can't lose to this Auburn team. If you lose to this Auburn team, every every narrative that Mississippi State fans have been pushing about this Ole Miss team comes to life. The message boards, our text line will light up, we told you so. Yeah, we told this, you this team wasn't any good. I think y'all are saying the same you, thing. Well, you're we, just saying it different ways. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I Well, I mean, But you, you're saying you don't think this game is important. I think it's very important. You have to beat this team and beat them badly. Yes, I, I agree. That's that's what I said. I'm, I, I mean... The, Again, nationally, nobody's going to point to this game as consequential, unless right. you lose, and then it's a you know it's a disaster scenario. But no, winning this game will get Ole Miss nothing. It won't increase their status. They, unless people lose in front of them, they're not going to move up in ranking. So, yeah. Nobody's going to legitimize Ole Miss for winning this game because Auburn's Don't bad. They're about to fire their coach. It'll give them a losing record at this point. But internally, it's, but you say that at the same time nationally, Auburn has. The name Auburn has some cachet still to it. People say, oh, they beat Auburn? Good win. I mean, Penn State is getting credit for a good win on the road against Auburn. Exactly. Not anymore, they're not. I mean, it's Penn State's best win so far. We'll find out Saturday what they're all about. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. We will find out. Ole Miss has won consecutive games in the series against Auburn one time. And that was when they won three straight in 1949, 1951, and 1952. One in Montgomery, one in Mobile, one in Memphis. Since then, since those three consecutive wins with the streak ending in 1952, Ole Miss won in 1965. They won in 1999 in overtime. That was a fun game. They won in 2003, 24-20. That was a memorable game. They won 17 to 7 in 2008, 41 to 20 in 2012. That's one of the ones that has an asterisk by it. They won in 2015, 27 to 19, and have lost six straight by 11, 21, 16, 6, 7, and 11. And it's always weird ways, or at least it feels like it, right? Two years ago, yes. Ole Miss scores a touchdown. That's the one that I should have an asterisk by it because of that terrible officiating yeah. where they cost Ole Miss a touchdown. 
hit, clearly hits his fingers. A, a financial advisor in Birmingham who gets to officiate games featuring Auburn uh, didn't see it that way, and, and Ole Miss lost that game. The, the Treadwell game, he is on his way into score, and it, God bless him, his leg snaps, but because his leg snapped, he should have been ruled down. Because if it is not your foot or your hand, you're down. Ankle, knee, elbow, wrist. If it is not your hand or your foot and it touches the ground, you are down. So he should have been ruled down there instead of the fumble. But then you lose the ball on your way into score the go-ahead touchdown. You lose the game and you lose your best player on top of all of that. It's always it's been weird. Last year, if Matt Corral's healthy, I don't think Ole Miss is losing that game, but he gets hurt. Has to go to the locker room, admirably comes out, but he wasn't anywhere close to being 100% that night. Cortisone looked like it wore off pretty quick. Yeah. It, it, it's weird. It's it, it's never just like, oh, they they just won the game. It's bizarre circumstances have surrounded these games so often. Is this one going to be weird on Saturday? Or is Ole Miss just going to show up and play well and dominate this game? If it's weird, it, it really helps Auburn. If you go to the end of the first quarter and it's like 7-3 to three Auburn and a couple of funky plays have already happened, you should be starting to, to get nervous if you're an Ole Miss fan that, that, that the football gods are in action against you. But if Ole Miss comes out, and I feel like if Ole Miss comes out early, punches them in the mouth, they're up 14 nothing. Auburn will just... Pack it in. Happened last week. Yeah. Speaking of of the football gods, Mississippi State against Texas A&M. They finished the game against the backup quarterback. Mississippi State against Arkansas. Backup quarterback. Mississippi State headed to Lexington this weekend. Maybe or maybe not a backup quarterback. If it is the starter, it's not the starter at 100%. At Alabama the following week? I mean, we're pretty sure Bryce Young's going to play, right? We, we were sure to tithe the, the offseason. We, we, we made sure our money got to the church. So, And, and look, there, there are people out there that want to go, Oh, well, you but who cares? What did the scoreboard say when it read all zeros? Oh, we had more than them? It's, it's all that matters. It's a violent game. Injuries happen. Happen all the time. They do. Nobody remembers that 20 years from now. Nope. They do. Um, if you're a Mississippi State fan, do you acknowledge that you've caught some breaks? Absolutely. Sure you do. Do you apologize for it? Heck no, you don't. Absolutely not. Winning requires breaks. Yes. Indeed it does. When the entire West has a talent composite in the top 25, you got to get lucky sometimes. You're right. What do you say we hear from the head bulldog when we come back? The pirate, Mike Leach, from his Monday press conference, which happened yesterday. We will do that on the Farm Bureau guest line coming up next. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Okay. Let's go to the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Don't hurt yourself. 
Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Clears throat during football-related questions doesn't clear throat during non-football-related questions. We will be be listening. We will be testing Brian Haydad's theory. Yesterday, Mike Leach sat down with the media in Starkville. He answered some questions about the Bulldogs' win over the Razorbacks and looking ahead to the Kentucky Wildcats. All guests appear on the Farm Bureau guest line, even when we're not answering the asking the questions. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Here is Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach. Well, I, the dink and dunk label, I just think that every time I hear that, I just, uh, that says more about the person that refers to it as that than it does uh, uh, the air raid, really. I mean, well, the whole NFL doesn't seem to think it's dink and dunk. I mean, that's why they're all running air raid concepts, right? Um, but. Uh, as far as as far as the deep stuff, I mean that's kind of a two-way street. Uh, number one is the receivers and their technique as far as running the route. Number two is the quarterback's ability to throw it. Uh, number three is then there's this uh, kind of a bridge you have to cross as far as uh, uh, you know the whole uh, field of dreams uh, thing. They say you know if you build it, they'll come. <laughs> well. If you run it, he'll throw it. You know, if he throws it, you'll catch it. I mean, yeah, I mean that. That's uh, there's a point to where there's a point to where um, you got to kind of force it a little bit because you know it, until they until they run good vertical routes and make good vertical route catches, quarterback doesn't trust him to throw it. But until he throws it, they're not going to make those catches. You know, and so. Uh, you know, we, we kind of have been going through those growing pains, continue to, or making progress. Uh, I do think Will's gotten bigger and stronger over the years. and But, you know, I mean, a fade route, a, a well-timed fade route is, uh, is completed usually somewhere between 30 and 35 yards. And, you know, pretty much everybody can throw. I mean, I can throw that ball that far right now if you'd like me to. Um, and so it's not like you really need a big cannon for an arm or anything. Um, uh, you know, just a little practice and a little touch and put it up there and good technique on the receiver's end. Coach, in 2020 in year one, your team averaged just over 21 points a game. Currently, you're averaging right around 38 points a game. Your quarterback says there's a lot more left in the tank. What do you see? How much more is left in the tank for this offense? Well, I think quite a bit because you're talking about, you know, every position uh, on the team, uh, you know, getting a little bit more and you're constantly trying to pull slack out of the rope type of thing. And, you know, if each uh, position gets a little better, then the team gets a lot better. So, and I do think, I do think we've got uh, quite a ways to go. I mean, I think, you know, we're getting, uh, we're finishing runs better than we did last year, but we could certainly do better. Uh, we're blocking the second level better than we did last year, but we can certainly do better. Um, you know, we were playing faster than we did last year, but we can certainly play faster. And then, you know, defensively, you know, we do a lot of good things, and we are kind of explosive and powerful on defense, but, uh, 
you know we um, you know there's uh, some of the big plays we could definitely shut down too <coughs> Mike, uh, two years ago in, in Lexington, that's when Will made his debut with this team. I mean, just when thinking of those two years from then to now, how much have you seen him grow, and did you think that he could become, you know, the quarterback that he is now at that point? Uh, I actually did. I mean, he, he needed, I knew he needed uh, quite a bit of time and reps and and work, but then also I, you know, with that said, I felt like the people around him were going to improve too. <clears throat> Coach, y'all had several missed extra points this year, and you know, it's a three-man deal there with the snapper, the holder, and the kicker. What's been the, the overriding issue you think on those extra points? I, I don't think I don't think they finish in the right spot. You know, I think uh, you know it's it's like if you throw the ball in your arms over here, the ball's probably going to go over there. You know. Uh, and I think it's about as easy as that. And I think we need to start hitting those. Otherwise, we'll just go for two all the time. Mike, uh, kind of a two-part question on the shovel pass success you guys have had. Um, I guess, you know, first part is, do, do you think those should be recorded as passes or runs? And then to follow up on that, I know at Washington State, you kind of gave the, the speech about, you know, teaching guys how to throw it into the circle on the chalkboard. Have you had to do anything similar like that with Will, or, or has he kind of just understood that? Will picked it up very quick, and I think that that's like one of the easiest things to do, which has always amazed me that I even never had to teach it. But I did, in fact, have to. And But Will did it quite naturally. And if you just turn your thumb down, you're in business. And then um, I've always thought, uh, I, I kind of, with you, I see it as um, a little more as a running back stat than a quarterback stat, you know, um, uh, the shuttle pass. But uh, um, uh, I don't know. You know, it goes down how it goes down. And then... Um, you know, and all it really is is a draw. It's just another way to run a draw. Coach, I want to touch on some of the transfers you've got. Guys have brought in this year. Obviously, Jackie Matthews had a good game this weekend. Made a goal line stand and had an interception. And Justin Robinson's made some strides the last few weeks. Has gotten some more playing time. What have you kind of seen from those two guys? Uh, Jackie's fast. Jackie came in here fast and providing he's running the right direction. Um, was a pretty dynamic guy uh, and then also he's a physical he's not afraid to hit you and I've always liked that so um, um, he is uh, he is a, definitely a runner and a hitter uh, and then uh, Justin you know Justin just as far as consistency constantly lining up uh, in a consistent fashion and trying to play hard and finish plays and it was a uh, you know, really getting to some level of consistency, which I think we're still working on. I know you didn't get to see it in full force in 2020 because of COVID, but what do you remember about home games at Kentucky? Obviously, you spent time there, coach there, visiting coach as well. Great atmosphere, you know, great atmosphere. Uh, uh, packed, uh, you know, tailgate outside there uh, that starts about on Thursday as I'd walk from my office, which was under the stadium at that time. You'd walk right through the tailgate section, and uh, which was awesome, and it was easy to get distracted from time to time. And then, uh, uh, yeah, it's just a great uh, place to have a game. And then, uh, and then the fans always loved it. Where, of course, I was at Kentucky at the time, so I didn't give it a lot of thought. But uh, the fans, the uh, the opponents would come in. They'd go to Keeneland during the day, and then. 
which is the horse races, and then uh, maybe the most beautiful horse race track in the country. I'd go to that and then go to the game that night. So, And that opportunity will exist this weekend. The fall meet started last weekend at Keeneland. This will be the second full weekend. So my guess is you've got Mississippi State fans. And by the way, big jealous of this. When Ole Miss makes the rare trip to Lexington, it seems like it's always outside the window of when things are happening at Keeneland. I gotta believe a lot of people are going that are making that trip or, or going Thursday or going Friday. They're either gonna take in some Friday afternoon races or some Saturday morning afternoon races before football on Saturday night. I mean, it, pl- so. playing a night game at Kentucky in the second, third, fourth, or final weeks of October or second, third, fourth weeks of October is absolutely spectacular. That's really cool. I haven't been to that many horse tracks, but I would agree that Keeneland is absolutely gorgeous. Sounded like a healthier Mike Le- Leach this week. Yeah, not not a lot of mucus today from Mike Leach. <laughs> the throat seemed pretty clear. That said, he was a little more engaged on the Keeneland question than anything else, I thought. Yeah, the shovel pass so. question, because it was about coaching, I think had his attention, too. Well, and and the downfield passing game. He, he, he compared it yeah. to the bridge from... From uh, Field of Dreams, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. <laughs> if you, this is this is the most engaged he's been football wise in a while. Is that a sign that he believes he's got a really good team? That and I think he's just more comfortable. It's been two and a half years. You know the relationships. I mean, we've had the same guys on the beat for a couple of years now. I think maybe he's just getting comfortable. I remember earlier this year. Uh, after the LSU loss, and, and people get irrational when they're upset, understandably so, I suppose, but doing the whole, I heard he's going to retire. You think that guy is as close to being done? Because that doesn't sound like a guy that's close to being done coaching ball. He's got plenty left in the tank. Oh, a lot. It kind of feels like they're hitting, kind of hitting his stride, right? You know the, yeah. So, so... I, I use we very collectively here. We get incredibly impatient. Like Mike Leach is hired, and what, what's one of the first things that we did? We, we looked at track record for Mike Leach at every stop. Not very good in year number one. Not very good in year number two. Pretty significant step forward in year three. And Mike Leach told you from day one, this offense gets better through reps. Reps and reps and reps and reps and reps. And he's now he's got the same quarterback for the third straight year. A lot of reps for a lot of these guys in an offense that is clicking. And yet Mike Leach says they can get a lot better. Not a little better. He said he thinks a lot better. There's still a lot left out there. is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon, the 11th of October. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Anything else for Mike Leach stand out to you guys? Heard from him just a bit ago. Didn't really talk a whole lot in terms of previewing Kentucky. Yeah, it was a lot of big-picture football stuff, which is great. Cool. Love to hear from him on that. But, yeah, as far as this weekend's game, not a, not a lot to, to draw from that. It's just so hard to know what it's going to be like without Levis. Uh, I mean, if Levis can't go, Kentucky's in a lot of trouble. Because for all of the negative stuff that people have, I mean, we've kind of said it. People on our text line have insinuated that Levis is bad, and somebody earlier said he gave away the old Miss game and stuff. Look, there are reasons to question his legitimacy as the first quarterback off the board in the draft. But if you think that he is not a capable and talented college quarterback and his team is not better without him, you are crazy. You're the crazy one. If he can play, it does give Kentucky a chance. If he doesn't, I don't think they have one. Honestly, I think State should win with him. But it's hard to like preview this game and talk about keys for State when you don't know if Kentucky's going to have their best player. Yeah. Yeah, whether or not you believe that Will Levis is a first-round talent, you can look at him and go, he's a good college quarterback, and he makes Kentucky better. When he had time to throw, which was rare, he looks good doing it. Yeah. And they've got a playmaker in Brown, the freshman, that is he the fastest player on every field he'll play on in his career? Certainly this season. I mean, they, they showed a graphic in the game last week when they were playing South Carolina that showed the fastest mile-per-hour rates of like the, the top three or four from the NFL this year. From the NFL. And he had a faster time game speed than any of those guys in the NFL. He can fly. He can fly. Absolutely fly. But they got to get the ball to him in space, right? I mean, that's why he's so good in kick returns. And you've got to be fundamentally sound there. And you got to account for him on every play. I mean, you, you can't let him run free into the middle of the field, catch the ball in space, and then go. And South Carolina did a really good job in pursuit when they tried to get the ball to him, you know, kind of on speed sweeps or motion stuff, quick, quick screen plays, that type of thing. South Carolina handled that quite well. Um, Somebody says if he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't play, is it him looking ahead to the draft? No, if he doesn't play, it's because he can't play. I mean, he said on the broadcast when they mic'd him up that he's going to play for whatever that's worth. This is a good question. Old Miss's defense made Will Levis look pretty uncomfortable. Can State generate the same pass rush? Yes, I think so. I think so. I mean, that, that's what they've been doing the past couple weeks. That's Arnett's M.O. He wants to be aggressive. I, I think they'll, they'll be able to get after him. I'll be honestly, though, I think a lot of that is Kentucky's O-line is so bad, anybody can generate pass rush against them. Northern Illinois did. A couple of times in the game a couple weeks ago, and I didn't see much of that from Kentucky on Saturday night, they had some really well-timed screens. And... I mean, Sean Payton was a master at it. When you don't have the best offensive line and you, you guys are getting kind of beat up a little bit, the best way to get defense is to start thinking. 
is a, a good screen game. And you've got this electric wide receiver. You've got a couple of good running backs. I, I can't believe that's not a bigger part of their offense considering their issues up front is trying to screen people to death. You, you are making the defense account for everybody and be fundamentally sound on every play. I mean, it's one thing to run a screen and the defense stays home on it and they make a good play. It's another thing to run a dozen of them during the course of the game and the defense to stay home and play fundamentally sound every single time. Because all it takes is one kind of bust for a really big play out of the screen game. Yeah. And, and it's got to be that, – that doesn't mean wide receiver tunnel screen only. You, you kind of got to get creative in the way you do it. It's got to be mixed up. It's got to be different players. It's got to be different looks, different portions. The concept is the same, but you, you got to make it look different. What is it the um, what what is it the, the phrase that I've heard Cole Kubelik use a few times? You, you got to get the defense to to commit eye violations. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know new, new spin on on an old phrase or an old concept. They get the defense out of position, and then make the play. They had one set up beautifully against Ole Miss, where I think it was Cavassier Smoke that was in the game, just playing dropped it. I mean, it was going to be a big game. He dropped it. And then they came back, and they had one with Chris Rodriguez later in the game. It was pretty good. All right, 5 o'clock hour coming up. College football fix. We'll hear from Lane Kiffin. We'll also look at the rest of, uh, look at the, rest of the lines involving SEC teams, and we can continue with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. That work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. This afternoon, Phillies get game one over Atlanta, 7-6. to six. Braves got three runs in the bottom of the ninth inning on a Matt Olson home run, but uh, couldn't do anything else, and they lose game one. Fell in a pretty big hole early. Seattle in the top of the seventh inning in Houston is leading the Astros 6-3. to three. Cleveland and New York play tonight. First pitch at 6.37 Central Time. Game's on TBS if you want to watch it. And then uh, we all know that Hey Dad will be tuning in at 8.37 Central tonight on FS1 to watch the San Diego Padres and the Los Angeles Dodgers from Chavez Ravine. Right, Hey Dad? Nah. Nah, maybe not. I've watched enough sporting events today. Mm. Chelsea not do well? Well, they won. Uh, did That's they? enough. Yeah. Okay. How did uh, how'd the Cannons do? Oh, you see, the Cannons play in the Europa League. That's on Thursday when the Farmers and the Plumbers who play in that league have the day off. So I'll let you know when that happens. 
the Europa Champions League was today, and that's what Chelsea plays. Oh, that's the thing that it looks like Chelsea's not going to qualify for next time. Oh, Chelsea's in fourth. That means they would qualify. Oh, I didn't, they moved up. They actually won again. You got you to gotta keep up if you want to talk this smack with me. I, I even tried. I sent, you, I sent you a text on Sunday yeah, about, you your, what, about your beloved cannons. You, you, you asked what I thought. What did I tell you? Boom goes the beautiful goal. or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Boom go the cannons. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV, and, of course, on your local Supertalk stations coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio, Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at Timeout Lounge. Check them out online at pearlriverresort.com. C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business, backed by world-class IT experts who live where you do, right here in Ceasefire Country. Check availability now at ceasefire.com slash business. Let's do a little college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Test drive the Ford F-150. Best-selling truck in America for, oh, four and a half decades. 45 straight years. F-Series, number one selling truck in America. You can start your search online at buyfordnow.com and finish it up at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. So we've talked a fair amount about Ole Miss and Auburn this weekend. You know, this is not a very good Auburn team. They come in 3-3. Three and three. They're coming off the 42-10 to 10 loss at Georgia last weekend. Porky was right. Auburn played hard for a while until it kind of got away from them, and they end up getting beat by four-and-a-half touchdowns when it is all said and done. Auburn's got problems. They've got problems at quarterback. They've got problems on the offensive line. they got a couple of really good running backs. Jarquez Hunter had a nice game this past week for Auburn, the Mississippi native. Uh, we know that um, uh, Tank Bigsby is a really good running back. We know Derek Hall is a beast on the defensive line. I think there's one similarity, Borky, to Vanderbilt last week. In the, the way we talked about Vanderbilt going in was, look, here are three or four really nice players that could play anywhere in the SEC. Talking about running back, receiver, the quarterback. I don't know. Swan could play anywhere in the SEC, but you understand what I'm saying. Good players. Yeah. Auburn's got a few of those, right? Derek Hall could play anywhere in the SEC. Tank Bigsby, anywhere in the SEC. They got a couple of tight ends that could play anywhere in the SEC. But that's kind of where it ends for Auburn. It's not a roster where you look at the entire offensive line, the entire defensive line, the entire group of linebackers. Corners that you think can lock you down, and you're like, man, that is a complete football team. They're anything but that. And for those reasons, much of the conversation in and around Auburn is not about this game. It is not about this team. It's about who the next coach is going to be for the Auburn Tigers. Do you guys think if Ole Miss wins this week that Auburn makes a change going into the open day so that they've got two weeks? I do think so, yeah. Yeah, Borky said that yesterday, and it just makes a lot of sense. You have the open week. It, it's, it would be time. If you know you're making a change, you just make the change, right? 
the, the finishing stretch for Auburn is Arkansas, Mississippi State on the road, Texas A&M, Western Kentucky, at Alabama. They might go one and four in those final five games. And I don't know if it matters if it's Brian Harson or somebody else. Yeah, depending on what Arkansas looks like, maybe that's a home game. Auburn's not beating Mississippi State this year. They play weird games with Texas A&M. I don't think they're beating A&M. They'd probably beat Western Kentucky. They're not winning in Tuscaloosa. They don't win in Tuscaloosa with good teams. When that game is is at Jordan-Hare, different story, regardless of what Auburn is. So why would you at this point delay the inevitable if you're Auburn? My question's always been with this kind of stuff is what's the benefit? What do you get out of it? If the team is still playing hard for him and he is still keeping things together and representing you well, what's the point? It's always kind of what I think. Now, in Wisconsin's case, the point is to see if the guy they really want to hire is cut out for the job. Nebraska was embarrassing itself. And maybe you could argue that Auburn's embarrassing itself as well. I guess you could argue that, but... What do they? That's always a question I have. Is what, what do you gain? Did from you it? say Wisconsin just a second ago? Yes, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. they want to hire Jim Leonard. They, they want it, right. it's a it's a trial. It's like, hey, you want to be our coach? Prove it. He's got the chance to prove it. Auburn's not hiring an interim, so as long as they're still playing hard for him, then you know what do you get out of firing the guy? And, and I love the well, you can go ahead and start your search early, as if they're not already looking for their next coach right now. Yeah, but who is they? Because they That's don't have an athletics point. director right now. I mean, there are a lot of people that are saying on the regular and on the record that they're about to hire John Hartwell away from Utah State. And John makes a ton of sense, right? He grew up in the state of Alabama. He has worked in the SEC, was at Ole Miss. He was extremely popular in his time as the AD at Troy. And they've had a lot of success in all of their sports at Utah State. John Hartwell would make a ton of sense at Auburn. There were people that wanted him to, to be hired by Ole Miss when Keith Carter got the job. That, that is correct. You're absolutely correct about that. And would have done a good job if he had gotten the job at Ole Miss. I wonder how willing he'd be to to go along with it, right? Because the powers that be got undermined when Brian Harson was hired. You think they're going to let that happen again? Well, here. So here's the thing about that, right? So the the, the power brokers at Auburn, led by Yellowwood's Jimmy Rain, I had no secret there. He's the most powerful booster at Auburn. It used to be Bobby Louder. It's now Jimmy Ray. They got the first half of what they wanted, right? They, they, they got rid of Gus. Right. But the second half of what they wanted was Kevin Steele to be the head coach. And, and they didn't get that. Alan Green did not go along with that piece. And they had an interim president at the time. And the interim president gave Alan Green, who was at the time the AD, who has since been fired, 
or released or moved on or however you want. He was fired. He wasn't going to be renewed. He was fired. And the interim president went along with Alan Green and going and hiring his guy. And that turned out to be Brian Harson, and it was culturally not a good fit from the beginning. And those people just kind of sat back and bided their time or are biding their time. Alan Green is gone. And Brian Harson is going to be gone relatively soon. So the question is, if Auburn makes a change, who's it going to be? They're all of a sudden, because Matt Rule was fired at, at, Carol, at uh, Carolina, there are a lot of people who are saying, oh, Matt Rule makes a lot of sense. You still got people talking about Deion Sanders. Q Freeze is the guy that makes the most sense. I mean, he just is. Or he just does. He'll do the hokey stuff that it, they apparently want their coach he, to do. He'll play to the boosters. He'll build the relationships that he needs to. He'll have the recruiting mechanism in place that he needs to to go and get good players, and he's a good football coach. He just is. Is it a decade-long solution? I, I have no idea. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. charge at Auburn and you had the option of hiring Matt Rule or hiring Hugh Freeze or someone else, who'd you hire? Matt Rule. Well, I mean... No, I, no I, it's a legitimate question. Hugh Freeze or someone else is quite a, a jump. Right. I mean, what if it's Lane Kiffin? I would take Lane Kiffin over Matt Rule. And, and over So Matt if you're asking me if it's... But if you're asking me rule over freeze, yes, I would take Matt Rule over Hugh Freeze. Why? You get an objectively great football coach without fear. There's no skeletons. There's no baggage. I mean, at least we forget that although it's already being spun, well, you know, Hugh Freeze learned from his mistakes. Well, then why is he still sending messages to people who yeah. are suing his employer? It's easy to be out of the spotlight when you're in a bubble that is that place. Matt Rule doesn't, as far as we know, I mean, I guess he could, but as far as we know, you don't have to worry about him and the way he'll represent your program or if he can handle the spotlight. You know he's a good coach, and, I mean, he's been through the rigors of the NFL. It, it, college, the, the media around college programs generally protect them and their people. The NFL is not that way. Even in a place like Charlotte, where it's a little bit more low-key than New York, if Matt Rule had cultural issues, you'd know. Everybody would know. Yeah. In college, those things don't come out until after the people leave. So that I would go objectively good football, great football coach, college anyway. 
Without at Temple, four years. Two and ten, six and six, ten and four, ten and three at Temple. And in three years at Baylor, one and eleven, seven and six, eleven and three. You want to know how good a coach Matt Rule is? He built that Temple program to the point that Jeff Collins was able to get another Power Five job. Like Jeff Collins was able to, to live off his spoils for a couple of years and then got the Georgia Tech job. Yeah. Those are two really hard places to win, traditionally. Temple is a really hard job. Baylor is a place where you can have some success, more success, but he inherited a Baylor program that was an absolute dumpster fire. That was the post-Art Brile solution. Come in, long contract, fix it. He was there three years, and he fixed it. Culturally and wins and losses. Because it was a program that had been decimated. In a lot of ways, Hugh Freeze has kind of done a similar thing. Right? He inherited a mess at Ole Miss post Houston Nut. And they went seven and six, eight and five. Was it nine in year nine three and, and four, ten in ten year? And, yep. Yeah. And I know all the other stuff. Like, I, I get it. But I mean, I'm, I'm just talking about just building a program. Yeah. And then, look, I mean, Liberty was not very good when Hugh Freeze got that job. They were just very, very okay. Got it after they fired Turner Gill, I think. And, you know, winning there is hard. I mean, you know, you can call it a diploma mill or whatever and, and question the morals of the university's leadership, and there's no questioning them. They They are not what they present, but still. I mean, I imagine it's hard to get players to go to school there. At Ole Miss, Hugh Freeze... Geez. You can't find the records without the stupid redactions but, all over the place. What, whatever. So back to the original question, though. If you're with with Auburn, I mean, you, you've got people that cover the program, reporters, not you know, not podcast like a guy, some random fan with a podcast that has sixty downloads. Right. I'm talking about no. It, trust me, I'm talking about like the the people that know nothing. You, you and Robbie are different. Um, no, podcasts are wildly successful. There are great people that do wildly successful podcasts. I, what I meant was that this isn't coming from nobodies. There are legitimate Auburn reporters who are who are talking about names and and stuff like that. That's got to be coming from somewhere. They're not making that up. And like we said before, the AD undercutted what the powers that be wanted them to do. So. Will the new AD just go along with what they want? And is that part of their hiring process is we're going to hire you, but we're also going to tell you who your football coach is going to be because we're not going through that again. Because I don't think these people are just making this up. If we go back to the John Hartwell piece on the athletics director thing, right, he, he, was, he was still at Ole Miss, wasn't he, when Hugh Freeze was hired? That I don't know. Oh, let's see. Timeline, timeline. I just closed that out. I gotta go back and recreate that. So Hugh Freeze got the Ole Miss job in twenty. He was there. Twelve. He he was there in twenty twelve. If the timelines so matched up, yeah. he was hired in December of twenty eleven. 
And then shortly after Ross Bjork got the AD job at Ole Miss, that's when Hartwell got the job at Troy. He was there a few years and then got the Utah State job. So, yeah, that, that would, yes. I mean, there would be familiarity there. And John would also have a working knowledge of what Hugh was dealing with at Ole Miss. I'm not talking about at the end. I'm talking about what he inherited and kind of what he built and the process by which he went through it and would know plenty about the NCAA stuff along the way. It does make sense. It really it does fit. I would be terrified, personally, because if you think that Ole Miss is a job that had a lot of pressure and, and you succumb to that pressure... That state's different. It's it's worse. And you've also got Nick Saban as your end of your rival that you will constantly be compared to. And now people know that they can get to you. It's going to be worse. And so you have to make sure you're prepared for that. But from fit, from all the family stuff and, and all of that, that that those people seem to really love, he checks every box. On top of the fact that you know he can win football games. You know that he can win football games and will do it probably immediately? You know, there are people who, and, and this has died down just because time heals everything, except for Hey Dad with his thoughts about Larry Templeton. That, that no, no time heals that. But there were a lot of You're people correct. that were extremely frustrated with Pete Boone at the end of his tenure. Think about the guys that Pete Boone hired. He, he hired John Hartwell who's gone on to be a successful athletics director. He hired Alan Green, or Alan Green worked in the foundation, has gone on to be an athletics director at two places, Buffalo and uh, Auburn. He hired Danny White, who has since been the athletic director at UCF and oversaw a fake national championship and is now the AD at Tennessee. And Keith Carter, who's the athletics director at Ole Miss and is doing quite well, thank you very much. There's a lot of there's a lot of good that happened in that time under Pete Boone as well. Zach says, these coaches have a dream life. If I ever get fired from my job for lying and doing immoral things while at work and with my work devices and then left my employer in shambles for years, I would never be able to get another job in the same industry again, and I couldn't blame anybody. But that's not true, Zach. If you were a person who at your job could create historic results and an immense revenue, you would immediately get hired back. Think Same day at some places. We have examples in ours. Now, I don't think I'd fit in that, but like Craig Carton, he gets out of jail and immediately gets his job back. Look how many guys in Sports Talk Radio come on the air and say racist, misogynistic things. They lose their job in Cleveland, and then they're hired in St. Louis three weeks later. I mean, there's a laundry list of those guys. Why? Because they draw ratings. Yes. We do our best to avoid those things here. <laughs> and I think have largely been successful. <laughs> we, we try so hard. Uh, we'll peek at these more tomorrow as time is running a little low today. We're going to hear from Lane Kiffin on the other side of this break. Just a quick peek, though, Georgia. 38-point favorite at home against Vanderbilt. Tennessee's getting 7.5 at home. Arkansas is a... Are they now a favorite? Is that right? 
They're a favorite at BYU? Or BYU's favorite? Arkansas is a favorite. Uh, yeah. Okay. Florida is a just less than a field goal favorite at home against LSU. I got no. I was no... right. Arkansas is a very slight favorite, one and a half. Okay. I got no idea in that LSU Florida game. I mean, no idea. And Mississippi State is a touchdown favorite at Kentucky. We will hear from Lane Kiffin and his Monday press conference from yesterday when we come back with you, all guests, on the Farm Bureau guest line. Podcasts. Right here, let's go back. And now back to the back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Big weekend coming up in and around the Oxford area. Activities on Thursday night. Square Jam is on the Oxford Square on Friday night. Home football against Auburn. Lots happening, and you can check out the Visit Oxford website. Click on the events page and see all that is happening. Visit OxfordMS.com. Be sure to follow them as well on all of their social media channels, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. That's VisitOxfordMS.com. Let's, uh, let's rewind about 26 or 27 hours and hear from Ole Miss head football coach Lane Kiffin, who met with the media yesterday, all guests, on the Farm Bureau guest line. Okay, so recap of the game. Um, very glad we got a road win. Glad the way that, for the most part, that we finished the game, whatever. I mean, I can't remember now, 40, I said after the game, 48-8 or whatever it ended up being, 40-something to 8, um, the last 31 minutes of the game. So that's really good, playing on the road. But not very pleased how we started. Uh, we didn't tackle very well at all for the most part. So a lot of work to do. You know, we didn't punt, which is a goal of ours. And that part was good, but at the same time, we have three series that we get no points out of by throwing them the ball twice and missing a throw on the fourth down conversion. So um, a lot of work to do. Congratulations to Mingo, you know, with the receiving record. And I think that's really cool for a guy that's been here a long time, never complains about catches, playing time. So, you know, it's awesome to use those stories with the team this morning, you know, for guys understand you know there's something to just working really hard and and doing all the little things like you did to spring another touchdown run by blocking a linebacker and uh, so glad for him but a huge game coming up team that has beat us twice and has really good players and has played really good at times and so we're gonna need to improve we need our fans uh, to come with a lot of energy. And, you know, I think it was, I mean, when 
you watch football around the country, you see how fans matter. You know, you watch the false starts at the end of the Alabama game, you know, and the inability for people to hear a cadence when they're, you know, trying to use verbal cadence. So um, we saw the effect of the Kentucky game, you know, by our crowd. So we need that again. And there's um, a couple reports that Michael Trigg suffered uh, a broken collarbone um, in that game. Are you able to provide any uh, update on, on his status? Yeah, we don't really have any public injury information, you know, like always. Uh, I think it came out right before the game that uh, Ladarius, Taishim, Aishim play rock, paper, scissors to figure out who starts. I guess, uh, A, what kind of led to that? And I guess it speaks to the depth, but also maybe that that meshing of all these players from every place that you've been working on? Uh, yeah. So that's why we don't let assistant coaches talk to the media because Partridge decided to tell the media that we do that. So, um, you know, that's just something that, you know, we were in a situation with three really good players that basically played two spots and we play a lot of plays on defense because of our offensive tempo. So it's very hard for anybody to play the whole game and play really fast. So those guys we knew would end up playing whatever if there's 80 plays and 60 between all of them. So, you know, I just said, well, you can't hold it against us if, you know, which one starts. And so let them play rock, paper, scissors every week. They can only blame themselves, you know. So it's a classic. Then they argue because one wins and they, of course, say best two out of three. So. It's them, you know, arguing with each other, not us. Do you have a go-to on rock, paper, scissors? Are you always the paper guy or scissors? Uh, I haven't played that for a while. Um, and then the only time I guess really I have any more is with Knox, and then you're not allowed to win because then it goes best of five, you know, like it just keeps going. So um, I, I don't, I don't really have a go-to on that. You guys have. Halfway through a season, you haven't had an open date yet. You don't have one for another couple of weeks. Um, not asking for specifics, but just in general, how beat up is your team? How much are you having to manage that at this point in the year? I mean, it is what it is. Um, you know, whatever the schedule is, you know, don't worry about it. And you never know. <laughs> Sometimes you wish it was at a certain time, and then it comes later, and you don't know, you know, that you actually like it better then. So. Everybody has issues this time of year. Uh, we have ours, and it seems like a lot of them. So, you know, we'll do, we'll do our best and move people around like we have and figure it, figure it out. You talked about a couple of losses to Auburn just the last few years. What stands out about the challenge whenever you guys are facing this team? Uh, I just think they got really good players and, um, you know, have given us problems. We haven't done really well offensively. their game so you know we got to worry about what we control which is playing really well um, you know and play a full game now we've showed we can do it backwards you know normally we were this first half team and don't play great fourth quarters and we did the opposite this week so the challenge is now to put it all together been on both sides of the hot seat rumors before and obviously Auburn's going through that now too what's the challenge of coaching and keeping a team focused when there's so much going on outside the building 
Um, I didn't do very good. I got fired after five games, so probably not the one to ask how to do that. Um, I mean, I was three and two, so but so I'm probably not the right one to ask that. You didn't have a hundred-yard rusher for the first time this season on Saturday. Um, just your thoughts on your running game, and uh, you know where, where it goes from here. You know, every game is different, and. You know, it's why you predict this is going to happen, predict that, like, you, you don't know. And they coach too, they play too, and, you know, people know what you do and they start to go take it away. Otherwise, it'd be easy every week. So, you know, once you start running and putting up 300-yard games and stuff, people start doing different stuff to you. And that opens up different things. And so, you know, to me, they were playing a lot of run stunts and the run, heavy run game in the front. And so you saw... When we passed, he had a lot of time to throw. So that's just how it, how it always works. Um, it's why you always want balance. So when they do take one away, you can do the other. Not talking about injuries. Paper, rock, scissors. I'm not the guy to comment on how to keep together a team. And <laughs> you're facing hot seat rumors. I got fired. My favorite part was, this is why I don't let assistants talk to the media. Just you could see his annoyance right there. It's just like, but but then he lightened up on that too, though, right? I, I don't think he was perturbed by that. It's a really funny story. But the the thing is, it's a funny story. If you're bad at rock paper scissors, you could lose a bunch of starts. I mean, like I guess it's fair if you've got three guys that you think are equally good for two spots, then somebody's got to start the game. But. How do you agree to that? Like, what happens if you start losing? If you have seven weeks in a row where you're the odd man out from starting, you got to change it up a little bit. So, do you like propose that you play like a round robin in checkers? Uh, something else. Connect four? Uh, Call of Duty? I, I don't know. I mean, ask Kyler Murray what the hot video game is right now. He'll tell you. Hmm. I go rock. And then I always go rock again. Do you see the suit Kyler Murray wore walking into the game yesterday? Yes. It was a lime a green much. Hillary Clinton pantsuit. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> was it fitted or did it flow like the one she wore? Uh, well, it, it fits him a little bit better. I mean... You know, knowing his size, it probably was hers that he just borrowed. But it, it's the it's the worst thing I've ever seen in in terms of clothing for a person. And I've seen Kyle Kuzma's outfits. Oh well, they are rough. It 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 it's not fitted. Oh, you're right, Vorky. It really does, and and and, and no shirt underneath it. I mean, that looks like something that, that Hillary wore on the campaign trail. <laughs> it's the worst. I mean, the shoes? I mean, how do you leave the house wearing that? And what's crazy, it's probably like a $5,000 suit. So I was watching some of the coverage leading up to um, Alabama, Texas A&M. And Brian Jones in the studio at CBS Sportsnet, like he was wearing a bright orange suit. And I was like, why do you why do you figure you do that? Like, 
What 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 is the statement? I mean, do you look at that and you're like, you know what, I look good, or you're like, no, I'm just gonna see if I can get people to talk about me. It's peacocking. It's just getting people to pay attention. Yeah, his publicist put him up to it or something. Next ESPN game, Richard, bright orange suit. Yes, sir. Sorry to disappoint you. I'm kind of a blue suit guy, and not royal blue. <laughs> Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. It doesn't get any better than this. On Super Talk Mississippi. time on this Tuesday afternoon to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Visit them online at genteelapparel.com and be sure to check out the collegiate collection. That's genteelapparel.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Uh, we mentioned Major League Baseball. You had the Philadelphia Phillies win game one of their series with Atlanta 7-6. to Top of the ninth inning, Seattle leading 7-5 to over Houston. That game is at Houston. That would be really, really big if the Mariners can get game one of that series. Houston trying to uh, kind of chip away. they got a couple of runs in the bottom of the eighth inning. Mariners have had a really cool postseason run already. They were down eight to one in Toronto on Saturday night and came back and won it. I'm sure you guys were watching. Adam Frazier had a big hit in that uh, in that game. You were locked in on that on on Saturday night. <laughs> I was not locked in on it, but I do know that Adam Frazier had a big hit in that game. Yeah, I, I totally on Saturday night in October was was watching Toronto play baseball. That's uh it was it, in fairness, I mentioned Kitty's sports bar in, in Cincinnati. There were a bunch of TVs on in there and a couple of them had the baseball game on that was kind of winding down. Yeah, well and Seattle's a cool story. That that's the kind of stuff that can bring a non major league baseball fan in for me, because I don't have a major league baseball team. To me, this is football season. Yeah. I love how college baseball ends in the summer because that's that's a perfect time to get locked into baseball. Right now it's hard because there's so much more interesting stuff happening. The Mariners was, are interesting. Yeah, they are. Uh, and and have stuck with Scott Service, and there's a semi-local tie there. So his daughter, Jackie, um, worked as a graduate assistant, I think, I think it was a GA, in the media relations department at Ole Miss for a couple of years. Her, her dad is the manager head coach, however you want to describe it, of the uh, Seattle Mariners. So it's kind of cool. Um, I, I, I definitely th- want to describe it as manager. I'll just go ahead and tell you. Not coach. I want to refer to the, the top baseball guy as the head coach, uh, not, not not in the pros, no. No, no, that's not the way they – you, you have a bench coach and a first base coach and a third base coach and pitching coach and a hitting coach, and then the guy that runs it all is the manager. Yes. Manager. Um. Bama favored by seven and a half against Tennessee. 
you like getting points there, or do you look at this is kind of where we started the conversation today? Like Alabama's going to be fine. I love getting points there. Tell me about Bryce. That, that's the thing. Tell me about Bryce Young's health. Yeah, Nick Saban's not going to know do that. about I'm Bryce sorry. Young's health. I'm not worried about Bryce Young's health. I love getting points there. KJ Jefferson reportedly is going to play for Arkansas against BYU. This is a game that since the summer we have looked at and been like, man, that's a tough spot for Arkansas. Very How stupid. tough a spot is it? Extremely tough. I know they just lost to Notre Dame. Very tough. BYU's two losses are extremely close losses to Baylor and Notre Dame. You think that Provo's not going to be rocking to welcome in a very bad secondary, by the way, in Arkansas? BYU is a a team that year in, year out, you feel like can handle SEC physicality. They're tough. And Arkansas is not. They're coached well. Yeah. But that being said, having Jefferson back, I feel like that that's a big boost. They beat Baylor, Borky. Oh, they didn't lose to Baylor. Baylor uh, lost, they, they yeah, lost, they lost, lost to Oregon, Oregon and Notre Dame. Oregon. Yeah. Oregon. That was a physical game against Baylor that they won. Yeah, it was. Yeah. That's what I'm they saying. got punked by three touchdowns at Oregon, came back and beat Wyoming and Utah State, and then lost 28-20 to Notre Dame in Vegas this past week. Had chances to win that game. Mm-hmm. As one does, I guess. But LSU Florida gets weird, right? I mean, it was weird the last time they played in the swamp, in the in the fog, in the shoe, and those two schools really don't like each other. It's Tom Petty Day down there. Two two first year head coaches. When is it not Tom Petty Day there? But they're like actually honoring Tom Petty. Don't they do that every game when they play his song at the? Well, they're going to do something more. I don't know what you want from me sometimes. I'm just telling you what's happening. What are they going to do? I don't know. Hologram Tom Petty? Build a statue? I I have no idea. Does Tom Petty deserve a statue at the swamp? No. In the city of Gainesville? Sure. At the swamp? I mean, he he would be alongside Spurrier, Werfel, and Tebow. No. There's a lot of local homage to Tom Petty. In and around the greater Gainesville area. Well, it's Tom Petty Day. That That is one of the coolest new traditions that's out there. It went from, like, that's not that's a great. thing to, hey, let's play this, and now everybody sings. and yeah. It's cool. Thanks for being with us. Good Tuesday afternoon. We'll do it again tomorrow. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studios, I'm Richard Cross. Have a lovely evening. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.